My very first project here at Cineos Health was to work on training a very, very large sales force. So one of these old primary care forces that was between 2,000 and 3,000 people. We had to train those people on the latest selling skills. That, as you can imagine, was a pretty labor-intensive process. We had probably 20 consultants working on it to train the trainers. We had hundreds of trainers that then acted as doctors to train the different sales reps in simulated sales calls. It's like a cast of thousands, as we had people with wristbands on, colored wristbands, so that you knew who was supposed to be where, moving in and out of the room hundreds at a time. It was a big deal. Lots and lots of work. And that's all changed. I'm Jeff Stewart from Cineos Health Consulting. Up next, I'm joined by Celeste Mosby from our Learning Solutions Group. Celeste will be talking to me about how training is now done with technology and more efficiently. Training sales forces next on the Cineos Health Podcast. Celeste Mosby, welcome to the Cineos Health Podcast. Thanks for having me. So before we get any farther... Just tell me kind of something about your background. You used to carry the bag for a large pharmaceutical company that we won't name. Absolutely, yes. Years and years ago, I started in the field carrying the bag, both from a field office-based position as well as a hospital representative, believe it or not, and then went into other areas of managed markets and advertising from there, and here I am, here. And so now, what's your role here at Cineos Health? Just tell me what you do. Sure. At Cineos, I belong to the Learning Solutions Group, and the Learning Solutions Group supports both our contracted part of the organization and our non-contracted part of the organization. So our group services pharmaceutical and biotech companies just to make sure that training sticks within the role that they're in. So we do sales effectiveness training, leadership training, medical and clinical training based on either field roles or those roles that are internal within a pharmaceutical company as well. We've all been to school. What's different about training a sales rep? That's what we're talking about today is training sales reps. What do you do that's different today from what we might have learned from when we went to high school and we had somebody teach us something? Hopefully we learned something. We had some quizzes. What is it you do and what's done differently in pharma? I think what is differentiating now about training, which is quite exciting, is that it's not anymore where you go into a room and you go through a workshop for five to 10 days and there's no interaction or a break in learning to actually reflect on the learning moments. Like, What did I just learn and how am I going to apply that? So what we're doing differently in our group, and I know that is a cadence across the industry right now, is we're creating learning moments, whether you're onboarding a sales force or whether they're in role already. The training might be where back years ago, there was a whole month of nothing but training. We're getting folks out in the field a lot earlier. So we could have two weeks of competence-based learning transfer of knowledge, scientific, product, disease state, and some selling skills. Now we're getting them out in the field a lot quicker. We're actually utilizing digital learning and technology platforms to continue to touch them over time, even though they're not in a formal classroom setting. And we're actually partnering them in these learning communities where if folks are going through onboarding, they're actually connecting with peers that are going through the same thing they are at the same time and they're sharing experiences. We've also had to change the way we 
bring in SMEs and the way we train them. Subject matter experts, SMEs. Thank you for that. Because it's been presentation decks before. And so now we do a lot more case study-based learning where they're put into simulated environments right away to heighten their fluency before they get out in the field. So we're creating these very safe environments where they take on the role sometimes of an actual physician. So they walk in the shoes of their customer. And quite frankly, they even walk in the shoes of the patient. Patient journeys are very important right now, understanding what the patient's story is. So it's really great because you see people walking out with a lot more confidence now. I have in my mind, Celeste, what a pharma rep looks like. I have a clear picture. They look like movie stars or at least politicians or somebody at business school? Sure. I think clearly there's a certain presentation that you have to make in front of a customer. So a lot of times the look of that person is very polished, but you would expect that because they are the face of the company. If you think of all of the pharma companies and biotech companies out there, the customer is seeing this person in front of them. So Mm -hmm. there has to be a level of presentation that they're making that's very polished. But beside that, I think what we're trying to do as we prepare those in these roles is make sure that we're giving them a deep level of clinical knowledge so that when they get in front of the customer, when they open their mouth, they are as polished with their fluent messaging, with what they bring as far as value add to the conversation. And so you'll see a lot of training now especially with our learning solutions group, we're taking people to a new level of clinical immersion. Mm -hmm. That's what we're calling it. So that we actually have them understand clinical reprints, clinical pivotal styles, trials at a whole nother level than we ever did before. So that when they open their mouth and they actually talk about the patient at the core of the conversation or the customer stakeholder, they really have a level of competence in front of either nurses, physicians, reimbursement folks, where they really can tell that they know what they're talking about as well. Do you have the right people usually from, say, a sales force? Are the right people there to be able to train in this way? Do they have the clinical chops to be able to do this? Or is the training exercise to take people who really don't know this stuff and make them instant experts? I mean, where is it? No, it's a great question. I think if they're onboarding, And it depends on the sales rep's profile. There's some pharma companies that are trying the model again of taking folks out of college and giving them the knowledge they need to become competent in that level of knowledge that you're talking about. That takes a little more work, right? Because they're coming from college where they haven't been in a clinical setting. They haven't been in a setting where they've even talked to customers before. So training for that group looks a lot different than someone that has sold pharmaceuticals for years or is coming from a specialty sales force where they have a pretty good foundation And the training then is more focused on expanding on their level of knowledge and making them more expert and advanced in their role. So really, the answer to your question, it really does depend on the profile that the company is hiring. I think that pharmaceutical companies do a good job with the folks they put in training. And the folks in training usually partner with vendors like our group with Learning Solutions. And we try to flex the training based on the profile that they're training, um, just to make sure that we don't frustrate the newer people to the role and give them a lot of foundation, but we don't frustrate the folks that are more advanced in their knowledge of pharma either. So that training is more advanced in nature as well. Are you seeing more of a spread 
in the understanding or the clinical basis within one team, you really have to train a lot of people at different levels in the same force? Or is it something where you just see different forces are at vastly different levels? Yeah, so that's a great question. I would say in more of the specialty therapeutic areas like oncology, like rare disease, things like that, we are most of the time the groups that are coming on board are more advanced and have foundation. There's not a lot of newer folks to pharma in those groups. Usually the pharmaceutical companies are looking for someone that has a little bit of experience. They've been in front of these types of physicians or healthcare providers before. For some of the other therapeutic areas, you do find a mix. And I would say you might get about half and half in a class where some are new to pharma. Some are coming from B2B sales. We're finding a lot of if you are a good salesperson and you know how to connect with a customer and you can engage in a dialogue, the other pharma companies are finding you can teach to or train to the disease state and the product aspects of it. So those that are not rare disease, oncology, a lot of the more advanced specialties, you'll see kind of a mix in those groups of backgrounds. What about selling skills? Do you have your Alec Baldwin, Glengarry, Glenn Ross, always be closing ABC, losers don't get coffee, that kind of thing <laughs> going on too? Or just show me where the industry is. And if you have to train that, how do you train that? Yeah. Yeah. So I would say the three big skills, selling skills right now to be successful are around customer engagement. And the reason we say customer engagement is because you really have to understand all the perspectives of all the different customers that you now are faced with. The second is around market acumen, actually understanding the market, understanding how the marketplace and how it's evolving is impacting your customer, your customer's customer, and ultimately the patient. That's where you find the points of value, if you will, in that dialogue with the customer. And then really understanding how to be strategic around how you business plan and how you work your territory. They always say about 20% of your stakeholder customers drive about 80% of your business. So work hard, but work smart. And so we give some ways that they can look at their data They can look at um, all the reporting they get and pick the needles out of the haystack and figure out where should I be spending my time? Who should I be speaking to? And what is the right message for that group? The salespeople are making this decision themselves? Absolutely. Wow. They have to. They have to. Because for each territory, think about local market strategy, right? Mm -hmm. When someone in Virginia is calling on a group of physicians and someone in New York City is calling on a group of physicians. The core training takes you only so far, but you have to know how to flex and understand what's important, whether it's reimbursement, all those things that are affecting that local market. You have to be very smart about that and know how to flex in your message and what you bring and the value you bring. That reminds me of a story. I was working for a CEO of a small company that we got acquired by another company. The CEO used to be a sales rep, and he worked in Newport News, Virginia, which meant that he serviced the entire Navy without apparently other people in his organization knowing that. So he would blow the numbers out every time. Like, you just got to work hard, guys. (laughs) That's really funny. Almost like I, when I was a sales rep, I sold in the HIV, when I was in hospital, HIV market, and I blew the numbers out, but I just had 
New York City and, uh, and you know, I was in the right place. And the other person that was in LA was in the right place. Other people were traveling to eight states and not coming anywhere near, but I said it was me being smart, but it was, I was in the right place. <laughs> well, what's one thing, I guess, to conclude, what's one thing that you find that a sales force doesn't know about training that you're really bringing to them or something that they just didn't know they had to do and it's something that you're showing them for the first time? Good question. I would say that the way pharma has approached training, we tell people in the past, we would tell people what they need to do. And we still are in some instances where regulatory is concerned. You have to be very prescriptive in what people can say and what they can show. But what we've done over the last few years is start to make people more accountable with regards to their own learning. And what that means is there's certain things that a company is going to give you as it relates to your learning, but it's up to you as to how you apply that. How successful you are is also dependent on how accountable you are to want to learn more, read more, do more, to build your competence and your confidence. I always would, when I was in the field, say to a customer, did I add value? today when I interacted with you. And a lot of times when we do training, we say, when you get ready to leave an appointment, are you preparing for an appointment? Are you doing your post-call analysis? Did I add value today? A lot of that goes way beyond the push strategy around training around disease state and product. A lot of that is being accountable, how you show up and the value you leave with that customer when you walk away. Celeste Mosby, thanks so much for leaving value with us on the Cineos Health Podcast. Thank you so much. That's all for today's episode of the Cineos Health Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Stewart from Cineos Health Consulting. If you have comments, suggestions, questions, or if you just want to talk to a particular challenge that you have at your life sciences company, you may email me at podcast at cineoshealth.com. That's S-Y-N-E-O-S health.com. We're consultants. That's what we do. 